It's good to see each one out today and grateful to be here. Brother Ray and I have been praying about this for a while. So we decided it's time to do something about it. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to put feet on your prayers. So we called Brother Jimmy and told him to talk to the congregation and pray about it and when they could work out a time, and this is it. And we're grateful to be here. And uh, had some good fellowship with uh, Brother Ray, and uh, I'll be here for two weeks in this Tennessee area in Mississippi, and so looking forward to going down to Mayhew when they have their preacher's meeting. It's a privilege to stand and declare the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul told Timothy, preach the word. So I hope by the grace of God, that's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to preach the word. Now, after that point, God takes over. I pray that you will be praying that the Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts. Brother David prayed exactly what we need. We need the Lord to be with us in our preaching. Paul didn't come with enticing words, but in demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And some messages I've been studying lately and been uh, working on, I have learned even as we study, the Holy Spirit can just touch us and melt our hearts through His Word. I've been tossed about which one to preach on this morning, but I'm going to preach on Philippians 2, 12 through 13. And I was going to preach on 1 John, but both of them, the preach, God said, preach the word. So either way I go, it's the word. <laughs> As you study the life of Paul, one thing you learn, he was the dedicated preacher to Jesus Christ, 100%. Paul spoke about, in Ephesians, the unsearchable riches of Christ. That made me think of this sister. She went to the some of these antique shops and and uh, rejoicing, oh, look at here, all these antiques. And that's fun to do that. But Paul said, we got a treasure chest too. Unsearchable riches. You can never get everything out of that treasure chest that's there. Amen. I pray this morning that we can see a few of those treasures. It's always a blessing when Christ manifests himself to us. And this morning as we look into these texts, you're going to see the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in salvation. They're all three active in salvation. Amen. Paul says in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Wherefore, my beloved, he's like the Apostle John. He speaks to his people as beloved little children. As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which worketh in you both the will and to do of His good pleasure. May we pray. Our gracious fathers, we bow in your presence this morning. We know our Sufficiency is not of ourselves, our sufficiency is of God. Bless thy word now. Lord, it's thy word, not the words of man, but the words of God, as Paul said. May you speak to our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Comfort us, build us up in the faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you read the book of Philippians, there's an example given even of the Lord Jesus in chapter 2. That he humbled himself and became a servant leaving us an example that we should humble ourselves to God. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. A servant, he humbled himself, and Paul says, Let this mind be in you. we got to come as the little child before the Lord, with a humble spirit. If we come in the spirit of knowing it all, and not teachable, we don't learn very much. You have to recognize your need before you ask for help. Isn't that the way God says he didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance? Christ, and he finished his ministry, was exalted to heaven. 
And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that He's the Lord of glory. And one day we're looking forward to the day when we're called home and called out of this world to hear Him say unto us, Well done, my good and faithful servant. That should be our goal, to hear that one day. And as we think about the Lord Jesus Christ, He ever liveth to make intercessions for us. As our high priest in Hebrews 7.25, it says, Wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost. Now, if you're thinking you may not make it, you can stop worrying about that. The Lord's got everything under control. He's going to save us to the uttermost. They come unto God by Him. How do we come unto God? By Him. Seeing He ever liveth to make intercessions for them. He's, his very action in heaven, on earth He died, on earth He reconciled us, He saved us, He washed our sins away. And now he's praying for us, interceding for us. He always has us on his mind. He loves us. Says in chapter 9, verse 24 of Hebrews, For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself. Where is he at at this moment? In heaven. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. See how personal it is? You've got to apply these truths to yourself. It's, he's talking to each one of His born-again children of God. He's there on our behalf, praying in the presence of God the Father for us. No wonder Paul says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who's going to finish it? Who starts it and who finishes it? Jesus Christ. Some people say, I just can't make it, Brother Rhodes. Yes, you can. Because God is your helper. God is your helper. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, the joy to suffer for our sins. What a, what a blessed Savior. Despising the shame. And it sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's there for you and I. Now I want to give you a parallel passage to go with this Philippians 2, 12 and 13. And I hope you can see the parallel. Paul says in Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things. Somebody said if he had stopped there, he would have been an Arminian. <laughs> but he didn't stop there. Remember, work out your own salvation. I saying the same thing. Now, salvation, as we're going to see, is talking about sanctification. Thank God our redemption has already been redeemed. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Our sins have already been reconciled to God. We're forgiven. We're cleansed. Reconciliation. We are at peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, working out salvation has nothing to do with redemption. It has nothing to do with reconciliation. It has to do with sanctification. You know, the Lord says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We're set apart, and that means to be set apart. When you work out your salvation through the truth, you're being set apart for the honor and glory and service of God. We're here to serve God, not ourselves. He says, through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's the second part of that verse. There where Paul was preached free grace. <laughs> through Christ. Which strengtheneth me. And that is a parallel to the next verse. For it is God which worketh in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. Now one thing I want to emphasize this morning is that it's without God, without the Lord Jesus Christ, you can do nothing in your spiritual life. Amen. Nothing. Now zero is nothing. We need to realize that we don't grow spiritually to the point that we don't need God. We always need the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, as we're going to see, working in us to do His good pleasure. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When we think that the holy God, the almighty God, who the angels bow to, who is so holy that the heavens fleet away, is working in us, and His presence is in us, we should be serving Him in fear and trembling, Brother Jimmy. Reverence God. Paul says we are the temples of the living God. And because we're temples of the living God, we need to serve God who our God is consuming fire in fear and trembling, not in the fear of the sense that we're afraid of God, but respect and reverence for God. Hallowed be thy name. We are not passive in our obedience to the Lord in salvation, but we're active. Some people think they just sit around and do nothing. And God's going to zap them. We're to be active. We're to be active in our, in our sanctification. To work means to achieve, to complete, to carry out, to accomplish, to carry out to fulfillment. And the word work out means present tense, indicating continuous effort on our part. We should be continually, present tense, working out our sanctification in our lives. It refers to our spiritual growth and progress in our Christian life. We grow in knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I've come to the conclusion after many years, the more I, uh, I realize how little I know, and I've learned more to depend upon God than I depend upon myself. Because without God, you learn over and over in your experience. I can do nothing spiritually. When you believe, it's not, it's not you that believe, but God, uh, uh, God doesn't believe that you do. But at the same time, you cannot believe without God's help, God's inspiration, without God's grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God. God is we believe, but we know at the same time God's working in us. He's drawing us so that we can believe. And when we obey God, we do the obeying. But it's God's strength in us that gives us the ability to obey. So by His faith we believe and by His strength we obey. Now God has us where He wants us depending upon Him and giving Him all the honor and glory. Christ said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. The word hear and the word follow is in the present tense. They're in, in the words, they're continually present tense hearing my voice and they are present tense following me. When? Present tense, not in the future. Now. One preacher said, well, that just means they're going to follow Christ to heaven. Has nothing to do with down here in this world. I dispute that and say that's not true. Present tense means now. God's people, God's sheep are presently hearing His voice, tense, present tense, following Christ. What does it mean to follow Christ? It means you obey Him, you love Him, and you follow Him. Jesus said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Jesus said to abide in me. In John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now, people say, well, I can pray for anything and get it. Now, if you're abiding in Christ, you're going to pray according to God's will. And you'll ask those things that are pleasing in God's sight. As we think about our sanctification, there's many descriptions of it in the Scriptures. Paul called it a, a fight. Paul said to fight. First uh, Timothy 6, 12, he says, fight the good fight of faith. It's not easy being a Christian. It's not a lay down and just say, it's, I can't do it. It's a fight to the finish, beloved. There may never be cease to be a fight in your life as a Christian that you don't have trouble with the flesh. The spirit against the flesh and the, spirit and the flesh against the spirit, Paul said. It's a fight. They hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. We, as we obey the Lord, are professing our profession before many witnesses. 
in Acts, I think it says, be witnesses unto me. That word unto me is in is the Greek word in. In me be confessing me. In other words, we cannot confess Christ outwardly without being in Christ personally. Amen. Shows how close we are. Paul compares sanctification to run the race. Hebrews 12.1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. There's some things that we have in our Christian life are not sinful, but they're weights. They slow us down. And the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We have a race to run. And that Race is this, we see, Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind and looking forward to that prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We need to look, keep our eyes on Christ and get, keep going forward, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Are you running the race this morning? Am I running the race? It takes effort. You can't fight being passive. You can't run away, run a race with, without a passive. You have to be active. And Paul came to the conclusion, he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast. Now, you have to be steadfast in the things of God. Don't be tossed about with every wind of doctrine. There are so many false teachers today in the, in the so-called professed churches teaching one thing, this another, and that another. Paul said, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. It's His work. Work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, Malachi, over there in the Malachi, it says, is it vain to serve God? No, it's not vain to serve the true and living God. He wrote a book of remembrance of the saints meeting together. Oh, beloved, count it an honor and a joy that we are able to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says in First Thessalonians 4, 9, that we're to love one another. But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. God puts His love in our heart. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. The, that love is put in our hearts. It's natural for us to love one another because we're the family of God. Read First John. That's what John is teaching. We're to love one another. James said, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll what? He'll flee from you. John said, To walk as Christ walked, to abide, continue to love each other as God loved us. So the key is to be submitting to God, and the key is to be abiding in Christ and obeying Christ and following Christ. In Philippians 4 1, Paul said, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy, crown, so stand fast in the Lord. My dearly beloved. Where do we encourage each other to stand fast in the Lord? Sometimes we want to give up. Now, I don't know if you've been there or not. I've been there a few times in my life. I say, well, I just can't go on. This is too difficult. I have too many problems. I think I'm just going to sit back and just watch. That's not God's will for us. We're to be active in the service of the Lord. You say, what can I do? I'm a housewife. You can pray. We're to pray. That's a great ministry, praying for God's people. You can, you can call people, write people, visit people. We're to encourage and strengthen the household of faith the, as much as we can. Everyone has something to do in the, in the congregation of the Lord. The preacher can't do it all. There's only one man. But the church, the congregation is assembly of God's saints. Together as a unit, we can serve the community. We can serve one another. And we can build up one another. Paul says, as you have always obeyed in my presence, now obey more in my absence. You know, sometimes people get to depending on their pastor to the point they're not depending upon the Lord. Paul said, now in my absence, be more obedient. Because now you're going to learn the true source of your strength is of God, not of me. Depend upon the Lord. He says, not only when I'm here with you, but when I'm away from you. You still have a resource. Who's that resource? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Much more in my absence, depend on God who worketh in you. You know, it takes us a while to learn to depend on the Lord. As we go through experiences, you come to say, boy, without God's help, I would have never made it. You ever had those experiences? It could be a sickness. It could be a trial, tribulation, a loss of a loved one. And when it's over and we get past that, we say, Lord, thank you for being with me. David said, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Looking at the life of Paul, you know, Paul is a great example of a Christian. And you'll learn by studying Paul's life, he depended upon the Lord. He says in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. He was identifying himself with Christ in his crucifixion. I was one with Christ. When he died, I died. And that's what you've got to realize in your mind. When Jesus was crucified, you were crucified with him. I live, he says, yet not I. Not my ego, but Christ liveth in me. This is where you have to come to a point. You're not depending upon I, but you're depending upon Christ. To live your sanctification. To live a separated life. And the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. By that faith you believe God. And by His strength you obey God. Remember that. Faith believes. And by His strength we obey. Who love me. That the Holy Spirit could touch our hearts. To sense the love of God. If I've come to learn anything. The scriptures without the Holy Spirit will not break you down. You can hear it and just walk out that door like you never heard anything. But the moment that the Holy Spirit of God melts your heart, touches your heart, makes it personal that God loves you and you sense that in your own soul, then that, that text will say, oh, how precious is that? God loved me. He who loved me and gave himself for me. He laid down his life. That we might live. What a Savior we serve. No wonder Paul said, So great salvation. He says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, For we all, talking about children of God, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. As you read the Word of God, you're beholding the face of God. You're, behold, you're reading and you're seeing Jesus Christ in the Word. We are changed into that same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. He's working in your life. That's why it's so important, children of God, to read the Word of God daily, to meditate, to study. Why? What's going on? The Holy Spirit is conforming you to the image of Christ. See how dependent we are? If you read the Word of God and say, well, I read my three chapters today and lay it down, and not realizing reading it and meditating is asking the Holy Spirit to conform you and to make that truth a reality in your life. By the Spirit of the Lord. See how Paul gave the glory to the Lord? He says in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. Paul says, I'm not even sufficient to think a good thought without God. Now, if you can't think a good thought, what can you do without the Lord? Nothing. Nothing. But our sufficiency is of God or out of God. There's where our sufficiency is at. And we need to come to that point in our Christian life that it's not I but Christ. It's not I but Christ who live within me. And we see also the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 3.16. It says that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. You see the Son, now you see in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that strengthens you in your inner Christian life, in your soul. He's strengthening you, the inner man, that which is born of God. Aren't you glad that God didn't leave us alone? Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. In Ephesians 3.20, it's one of my favorite verses. Now unto him that is able to do. Now that's talking about God, the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit to do exceedingly abundantly. And that word abundantly means super abundantly. Super, above, hyper, above anything that we can ask or think. i got a great imagination. But God says, you can't even think of something that I can't do. Meet your need. According to the power that worketh in us. That word worketh can mean operating in you. In us. There's a power working, operating in you that helps you to overcome all things. Beloved, our God has everything in control, as we're going to see. Paul says in first uh, in uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 11, For this cause we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. We need to pray for each other. I try to pray for the ministers, Brother David, and Brother Jimmy, and Brother Ray, and Brother Hatfield, and all the other brethren, as often as I can. And some of you as brothers and sisters, I pray for you. In churches. We, when we heard it, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might, might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. We, yes, we are to walk worthy of the Lord. Some people say, walk around, oh, I'm not worthy. No, we're not worthy in ourselves, but He's worthy and we should walk worthy of the Lord. Pleasing. Unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, we're not against works, but works is not for salvation, it's evidence of salvation. And increasing in the knowledge of God. We're to be reading the scriptures and increasing, growing in knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power. Boy, Paul had a way the Holy Spirit working through Paul wanted to emphasize that the power was of God. <laughs> With all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. One author said, Remember the end of all knowledge is what? Conduct. We learn and read that we know how to act and live. God doesn't want us to have glorified intelligence. He gives us knowledge so we know how to live, know how to be sanctified, know how to be set apart for God's glory. And what is our goal as Christians? What is your goal? Our goal should be to be conformed to the image of Christ. Our eyes are set on Christ. That prize, the mark of the high calling. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. If there's things in your life in the past, you need to forget them. They're gone. They're under the blood. They've been forgiven. They're cleansed. It's out of your life. But Satan wants to come up and say, what about that in the past? You can say it's under the blood. It's been forgiven. God said, their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Judicially, they're gone. Rejoice in that fact. Our sins have been washed away judicially once and for all. They're gone. Hallelujah. Now, the, the sanctification that we're going through has to involve our fellowship with the Lord. And fellowship involves daily cleansing as we walk with the Lord. Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He's conforming all his children to the image of Christ. Remember what he says, we're getting back to the text, Philippians 2, 13. For it is God which worketh in you. Don't lose sight of that. Work out your own salvation. But remember, it's God which worketh in you. Both the will and the do of His good pleasure. Hallelujah. Paul says in Philippians 1.6, Being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it when? Until the day of Jesus Christ. What God starts, He'll finish. He's not going to have any stillborns. He's not going to fail any of his children. He's going to bring them all to glory. He said when he comes, he's going to raise them up at the last day. He's going to raise them up. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that day. That day when the graves open up and we rise out of the grave. And it says when we see the Lord, we shall be changed into his likeness. We shall then see the Lord for the first time 
unveiled, we'll see him as he truly is, the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. I tell you, there's a lot of things I'm looking forward to, and I enjoy in the Christian life, but I'm looking forward to the day of the resurrection when I see my Lord, when I go up and see him face to face. I tell you what, and that should make us want to shout. That's our hope. Paul called it the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I kind of got off the subject a little bit, but that subject gets me going. Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship. We are His workmanship. I remember Brother David spoke on the, uh, one time on our Bible study. He spoke on this. Workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now, we can't do good works but in Christ. All that we receive is through Christ. Everything. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. As we walk in Christ, we walk in good works. You can't separate the two. There's no good works outside of Christ. Both the will. A lot of people don't, don't want to give God the glory that He's working in us. They want to think they're doing it by themselves. But it says both the will. It says in Psalms 110.3, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. God gets the glory. Hebrews 13.20, which is a tremendous verse. We all rejoice in this verse. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. He's called the great shepherd. We're under shepherds. He's the great shepherd. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Hallelujah. That's another message. Make you perfect in every good work. Make you mature. We're to be matured Christians. To be set apart, sanctified for the Master's use. To do His will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight. Who's working in us? God is. This is teaching the same thing as Philippians 2, 12, and 13 is teaching. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. See, everything is through Jesus Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God gets all the glory. Beloved. And to do the good pleasure of His will. In John 15, 4, it says, And the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abide in the vine. So neither can you, unless you abide in me. We have to abide in Christ to bring forth fruit. Amen. Believing in God's Word, we can live upon God by His faith that He gives us and His strength working in and through us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the author of faith. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, faith. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. And as He works through us, and it says Christ gives the measure of faith. I shouldn't be jealous of Jimmy or jealous of Ray if they're beyond me because i got my measure of faith given to me that I need to serve the Lord. They have their measure of faith. It's a gift. And the Father, like Brother David, God gives each one of us the measure of faith we need to serve Him. And you as in believers, each one of you are separate and God has a different calling for each one of you. You are as important as we are. You're part of the assembly or congregation of God whom He loved and died and gave Himself for. And you're to serve God in your assembly. Be faithful. We can trust God in all things. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 9, But we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves. You know, we got some people saying, I can do it all on my own. I've been born again now, so I don't need the Lord. I can do all that I need to do on my own. Paul didn't have that attitude. Notice again what Paul says. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. Your faith should not be in yourself, but in God. Who delivered us from a great death and doth deliver in whom we trust that He will deliver us in the future. Past, present, and future. Tenses of salvation. He's In this word, uh, present tense, He's delivering us in this present evil world. It says in Galatians 
who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. That present there is in the perfect tense. It's something happened in the past when he redeemed us and saved us in the perfect in, in perfect in, in the present tense. He's delivering us from this evil world. What he done on the cross in Calvary is has effect in your life now. It's not something that just happened and it's all over. He's continually working in our lives, beloved. Hallelujah. We can be sure God is able to help us in all things. You know, Abraham was an example of faith. They were talking about that last night, Brother Jimmy and Brother Ray, and I was hearing part of it. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, him and Sarah both couldn't have any children because that he's going to be the father of many nations. I picked this up from Brother Jimmy and Brother Ray. But he didn't stagger at that. He believed God. Some way it would happen. You know, when he took uh, his son Isaac to slay him, in, in, in uh, Hebrews 11 it says, even though he slayed him, he believed God would raise him from the dead. He believed in a great God. Ephesians 3.20, which we read earlier, Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask to think, according to the power that worketh in us, operating in us. Believe that verse. Claim that verse. Live that verse. Read it until it becomes part of you. Ask the Holy Spirit, make that verse real in my life. 2 Corinthians 9.8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. He's able to make all grace abound toward you. Oh, I just can't make it. Yes, you can make it. Because God's going to make all grace abound to you. If you keep your eyes on Him and you follow Him and you're consistently looking to Jesus, you can do all things through Christ. That you're always having all sufficiency in all things. Not some things, but all things. May abound to every good work. Again, God teaches good works. He said, let your light so shine before Father, that you may, the world that you may glorify your Father which is in heaven. Nothing to do with salvation, but evidence of salvation and evidence to who you belong to. Paul says, for the, which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Are you persuaded in your own heart and soul that you're going to make it to glory? Only one thing can turn you from that is unbelief. Unbelief. That sin which so easily besets us could be unbelief. And we all sometimes have doubts and fears. Because you have a doubt, sometimes maybe you question your salvation because of your experience. Maybe you question whether even is there a God. You know, Satan likes to whisper into our ears things like that to make us doubt. But you must believe the Word of God. God said it and it settles it. No matter what the devil says, remember what Jesus said. He's a liar and a murderer, murderer from the beginning in Genesis there. He's a liar. Hebrews 2.18. I won't say Paul said this. There's a question about who wrote it. But I'll say Paul said, <laughs> For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. That word means to run to the cry of the aid of the word succor. He hears our cry and he runs to our aid. You know, in 1 John 2 it says, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Our advocate, when we sin, runs there. He's ready to cleanse us and restore our fellowship. Instantly, he's praying as our intercessor. He's praying as our priest. He's our mediator, one mediator between God and man. And we, when we need him, he's right there. And he's working in us. Beloved, isn't that wonderful? We have such a great God. Wherefore, it says, because of that, wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost. Because he's God Almighty. That come unto God by him, saying, He ever liveth to make intercessions for them. Now for a few moments, I want to look at God the Father. I thought the Son took care of salvation. Well, the Father was involved also. 
And sometimes people lose sight of that. The Father in Romans chapter 8 is mentioned about 20 times in a few verses. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, God the Father. To them who are called according to His purpose, God the Father's purpose. So who's in control of Romans 8.28? God the Father is the one who is working all things together for our good. And we're going to see <clears throat> by the testimony of the Word that it, it fits right in with the Scripture. You know, the Bible said, let every, two or three witnesses, let everything be established. For good. Jacob cried, all things are against me. You ever been there? No. I have. I'm sure some of you have. It seems like all things are going against you. But Paul says all things are working together for your good. <laughs> See, if flesh says one thing, all things are against me. Faith says, no, all things are working together for your good. But it takes faith to believe that. It makes a reality when that faith that God has put in us, you've got to come back to your source of strength, God. For it is God who's working all things together for good to them that love God. And I'll give you a biblical example. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, here's what Joseph said. You know, Joseph went through many trials. His brethren hated him. They wanted to kill him. They threw him in a well. He got snuck out and he was sold to some travelers coming by. Then he got over into uh, Egypt under Pharaoh. And then his uh, Pharaoh's wife accused him of trying to molest her. He was put in prison. Now, I'm sure he said, boy, <laughs> everything's against me. But I believe Joseph had his eyes on the Lord. And here's what he said. Now, remember this verse, Romans 8, 28, and this verse. But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good. How does that fit in? For God worketh all things together for our good. You can see God was working behind the scene. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Amen. To bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. God does everything but purpose. He says in 45 verse 5, For God did send me before you to preserve life. God sent me, the Father. Genesis 45, 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you at prosperity. If God hadn't preserved them, we wouldn't have had the tribe of Judah. We wouldn't have had a Messiah. Right. See, God has all things under His control. He was going to make sure that His Son came into the world. So in verse 8, He said, Now it was not you that sent me here, hither, but God. See how God had everything under control? How He was working all things for Joseph. Joseph thought all things was against him, but in reality, all things was working together for his good. Now that's to teach us that the same God of Jacob, the same God of Joseph is our God. And he's controlling our lives and working things out for our good. If we don't pride personally, then we don't get as much out of it. But when I bring it down to me, I'm saying thankful that I have a father who's working all things that come into my life for my good. It says in Ephesians 1.11, and whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him that worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. You can't leave out the last part of this. He worketh all things, but how does he do it? Through the counsel of his own will. He is, he's omniscient. He knows all things. He knows the end from the beginning. It's not hard for God to work all things out for our good. He knows everything. The end from the beginning. And by the counsel of his own will, not the wills. He didn't have any somebody telling him what to do. He told Job, where, you, where were you, Job, when I did this and this and this? And Job finally said, I repent and that's cloth and ashes. He repented. But here's the amazing. Why was God controlling all things? Galatians 4 and, 4, and verse 4 and 5 gives us the answer. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Receive that manifestation to our heart that we are adopted sons of God. 
See, God has working all down through the centuries to bring this to pass. Now, just a few verses to show you the how many times the Father is mentioned. Verse 29, it says, For whom he, the Father, did foreknow, he, the Father, also did predestinate to be conformed to, his, to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, referring to Christ there. Verse 30, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, the Father, them he, the Father, also called, and whom he, the Father, called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, the Father, them he, the Father, also glorified. The Father is mentioned so much in this verse, sometimes we overlook the simplicity of it. Read more slowly and observe when you read. And then verse 31, it says, What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Remember what Jacob says, All is against me. Sometimes we say that too. All is against me. But in reality, all things are working together for your good. We don't understand. God said, My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Yes, God does providence. It's difficult to understand at times. Remembering those words of Jacob, all things are against me. But they wasn't. Verse 32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? All things. And Peter brought this out in 1 Peter 1, 3. According as his divine power and power hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him who hath called you to us to glory and virtue. He has given you everything you need to live a sanctified life. Because he's the one living in you and through you. He supplies your need. He gives you the faith. He gives you the strength. And he's living through you. And he chastises you if you need chastising. He brings you back. I believe those who get out of God's will and those who uh, we say backslide, if they're true children of God, not just professors, God will chastise them and bring them back before they die. I believe that, everyone. He's given us all things that we need. And in closing, I want to give you a bit of an example of Apostle Paul again. 4.13, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We have a biblical example of that in the life of Paul. You say, what is it? I'm glad you asked me. 2 Corinthians 12.7-10 Paul said, at least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation that was given to me a thorn in the flesh the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. See, Paul had his, he had his problems in the flesh. He didn't, he didn't live without any trials. Any, he was beaten. He was with rods. He was chasing out. They had to let him down in a basket. Paul knew what it was to suffer for Christ. At least I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I have sought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, who? Jesus said unto him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I can do all things through Christ, Paul says, who is infusing strength in me. That's what that word means, to infuse strength into him. Here's the example where Paul told him that. My grace is sufficient for each one of you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakest moment. Now, sometimes we forget that. We want to be on the mountaintop. We want to be strong all the time. We want to be, boy, we're just, we have so grown. But the Lord says, when you're weak, then I'm your strength. Then my strength is magnified in you. Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Now, we don't like to do that. I need a lot of growing in this area. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions. Now, I don't like any of those things, personally. I don't like to be persecuted. I don't like to have needs. I don't want to be at the point where I'm, uh, am I going to have a meal for tomorrow or not? Paul took pleasure in that. Why? Because he knew God was going to meet his need. In distresses, for Christ's sake. 
For when I am weak, then am I strong. See, that's a paradox to the world. And sometimes it's a paradox to us until we experience these things in our life through sanctification. We're set apart by the Scriptures. We're set apart to honor God. And that's why Paul said in Ephesians 6, 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Where's your strength coming from? The Lord. Not in yourself. And in the power of His might. And I was meditating upon that verse one time, and I come to the conclusion, when are we in the st- being made strong in the Lord? When you're on your knees praying and fellowship and worshiping God, God in that moment is strengthening you in the Lord. You're receiving that strength in your prayer life when you're dependent, when you're humbled, and you're looking to God for help. He's at that moment increasing and strengthening you in your union with the Lord and in the power of His might. You say, you've read this three times already, but I'm going to read it one more time. Ephesians 3.20 Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. You can't ask God for something He cannot do in your life. You need peace, He can give you that peace. You need strength, He can give you that strength. You need forgiveness, there's forgiveness with the Lord. The blood of His Son cleanses from all sin. And we all have to deal with sin. There's not an individual in this congregation this morning sitting here that doesn't have to deal with S-I-N. And what's the middle of the word sin? I. We all have trouble with I. But thank God. God made a way in the provision for sin. That's the blood of Christ. Cleanses from all sin. Past, present, future. God sees us in Christ. Legally, judicially, He sees no sin in us. We eternally justified from eternity. And through that justification, God sees us pure and righteous in Jesus Christ. We're clothed with His righteousness. That's judicially. Paul says to Christians that are growing in grace, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that did not receive it? And if you did receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou had not received it? There's some people walking around like peacocks. Oh boy, I'm such a spiritual individual. I did it on my own. I did it. I should get the praise for it and the glory. There are some people who believe that. But I tell you, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.31, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Who should you be glorying in this morning? The Lord Jesus Christ. All that you do in word or in deed, do it all to the glory of God. Every one of us. Every creation in this world. The whole creation of in this world. Everyone should give glory to God. I hope a few of these things would be a blessing to you. The unsearchable riches of Christ is beyond anything that I can bring out. We can only give you a little foretaste of glory divine. You need to get into these things and study it and meditate. Chew it over and over and over to the Lord bless you, brother Jimmy.